Welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. Isaiah 9, 6-7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this here we learn the bedrock of our belief it is the anthem of our faith Jesus born in Bethlehem is the mighty God everlasting father and the prince of peace The one who said, let there be light, in Genesis 1, is now revealed to us in human flesh to be the light of the world, the Lamb of God, the way, the truth, and the life. This and countless other scriptures give us complete understanding of who Jesus is, why he came, and what he did. But our text also has discrete yet plain verbiage of the gospel. We find the gospel in our opening text. Everything's about the gospel, though. That's why Christmas is a big deal. Jesus is here. That's why Easter is a big deal. Jesus is alive forevermore. That's why Pentecost Sunday is a big deal. Jesus sent his spirit to fill all believers And that's really why every day is a big deal now, because we believe Jesus is the answer for everything. And it all goes back to the gospel. So we're not looking for something better to come, because he already came. We know that. He's all I need, all I could hope for. He's everything. So, understanding that, this cryptic gospel message that's found in our text states it like this of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end we say is that the gospel yes of sorts because that is the result of the gospel ever increasing never ending Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. There's two things in that statement. Government and peace. Our text tells us that the government is on his shoulder. That's what our text tells us. However, Isaiah does not reveal where the peace is located. The government is on his shoulder. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So as we explore this statement, we understand government could also be understood as empire, which I kind of like that, empire, of his empire, 
there will be no end. But his government, his empire, is on his shoulder. We know and and we believe that God raises up leaders and nations, and he brings down leaders and nations. We know and believe that God is in control, and he uses all things for his purpose. Yet it does not appear in this text that the government that is being referred to is meaning the governments of the world. When it says the government will be upon his shoulder, the context is not referring to the governments of the world. Because as you go on and read, it's focused on one specific government. One specific empire that will ever increase and never end. And that just doesn't really sound like any of the nations here on earth. You read your history, study it, every nation has had a beginning, and every nation has had or will have an end. But the description in our text says of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. But when we begin to look at his empire, we struggle to see its boundaries. Nations have borders and kingdoms have boundaries. Where are the borders and boundaries of the kingdom of God? We look on a map, we can't find it. We search it on Google, and even though Google will tell you something, it probably won't be the truth. Uh, What are the borders of the kingdom of God? I mean, you search that, it'll tell you something, but it's not going to be true because in order to understand what I'm talking about, we need to go to Scripture, which is a great place to go to when you're trying to understand things about Jesus. Luke 17, 20 through 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So every Holy Ghost-filled believer, Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. Look at your neighbor and say, you carry the kingdom. You carry the kingdom. Where you go, the kingdom goes. It's mobile. It's alive because it's in the heart of every believer. Therefore, it's not limited to borders and boundaries, but as its citizens move, it moves. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Let me ask somebody, anybody wants to answer, where's your head located? Does anybody know where your head is right now? (laughs) Some people are like, it's still there. (laughs) Yep. Your head is on your shoulders. So, the government shall be on his shoulder. Colossians 1.18 says, He, referring to Jesus, is also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Scripture tells us Jesus is the head 
of the body of Christ, which is the church. Ephesians 5.30 says, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. 1 Corinthians 12.12-14, Paul says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, have all made to drink into one spirit, for in fact the body is not one member, but many. Many members, one body. And in this one body of many members, there is one head, which is Jesus. I know that the majority of us know that. We need to get on the same page with this uh, to get to this point. So we know Jesus is the head of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is the church. So, Jesus is the head. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The man Jesus had a mindset. Common sense, where do you keep your mindsets? In your head. So, Jesus had a mindset, and it was one of humility. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Everybody with me? Okay, so in order to prove what is the perfect, acceptable, acceptable will of God, you first have to have your mind renewed, which means your mindset isn't good enough. So we come to this conclusion. If you know the will of God, you have the mind of God. If you know the will of God, you have the mind of God. Because uh, the mind of God is where the will of God is kept. In order to get the will of God, understand his will, his desires, what he prefers and what pleases him, you've got to know his mind. So with all of that that's been said, let's tie it together. The will of God is directly connected to the government on his shoulder. The mind is where the will is formed, and the kingdom of God is the reflection of that will of God. The mind is where the will is formed, and the kingdom of God is the reflection of that will of God. The kingdom of God and the will of God go together. Can I prove that? Yes. Matthew 6, 9 through 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when his kingdom comes, his will shall be done. If his kingdom's coming, that means his will is going to be performed. They go together. You can't get the will of God, but not the kingdom of God, and say, I want the kingdom of God, but I don't want the will of God. That doesn't work. That doesn't happen. Go together. And it's all connected to the head of the body, which is Jesus. The mind of Christ gives the instructions to the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are the body. So what happens when the body's not connected to the head? You can't fulfill the will of God because the will of God is trying to communicate to the body, but the body is disconnected from the head. So my feet are moving. Even though I don't really fully realize it, my brain is telling my feet to move. Somehow, I mean, lightning fast, obviously, because I'm not really thinking about it, but I'm moving. But science, I followed the science, and it's, sorry, that was a, nobody got that joke? Okay, never mind. Followed the science. That's a, that's a buzzword the past couple years. Anyway, everyone's afraid to laugh. I'm, whatever. So, anyway, followed the science, and my feet moved, like, so quickly, because my brain is telling my feet to move. What happens if my head gets cut off? (laughs) My feet don't move. (laughs) So it is. When the body of Christ is disconnected from the head, the head is trying to send signals to the body, and the body is not doing what the head is telling it to do. And if there's a disconnection between the body and the head, in the natural, we call that dead. So what happens in a local church then when the church is not doing what the head desires? It's dead. Doesn't matter if we come together. Doesn't matter if we sing. Doesn't matter if I preach. It doesn't matter what we do. We can do it for the next hundred years. And if we are not responding to the signals from the head, we're dead. And it's not pleasing to God. So what we have to understand is, in order for the body to function properly, I, as a part of the body, have to get realigned with the head, which is Jesus Christ. The head of the body is Christ. The mind of Christ gives the instructions to the body of Christ. The head is on the shoulder where the government is, Government will be on his shoulder, and of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. The government, the governing aspect of the church comes from the head. The orders, the decrees, the, uh, the will, it all comes from Jesus. And we, the body, are to simply act it out, you know? The brain is telling the thumb, you know, or the hand to to pick this up. And the hand's like, no, I don't want to. I mean, it's just dysfunctional. It's not fulfilling its purpose. 
But when we can get in alignment with Jesus in such a way that it happens so quickly and so smoothly that I don't even realize that the bo- my body doesn't even really realize and my mind doesn't even comprehend that my brain is telling my body to do all these movements and I can't even keep up with it because it's happening so quickly and naturally because everything's in alignment. Does that make sense? Very simple topic, but we understand now the head is on the shoulders and the government is on his shoulder. The governing will, the governing power comes from the head, which is Jesus, which is on his shoulder. But where's peace? Don't forget about peace. Where's peace? If the government is the head, where and what is peace? Peace is safety, reciprocation, make amends, reconciliation. That's what this means. Safety is where we can find the aspect of blessing, uh, prosperity in mind, body, and heart. That all is in that realm of safety. But the safety aspect of peace cannot happen without the reconciliation aspect of peace. And so that'll make sense in a second. So before we go any further, we got to figure out where is peace. If the head is on the shoulder and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, well, we figured out where the government is. It's the head. But where's the peace? Because neither of them are supposed to end. And they're supposed to always increase. Does that make sense so far? I'm trying to communicate it as well as I can. Uh, Ephesians 6.15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Romans 10.13-15. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. It's his peace, but he uses your feet. Peace or reconciliation are connected to our feet. The government is the head, but the peace is connected to feet. All throughout scripture we see this. Reconciling the world to God or reconciliation to each other, both are connected to our feet. Matthew 5, 23-24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother has ought against you, leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. The very simple conclusion is this. In order to go, you have to use your feet. 
In order to go make peace, you have to use your feet. So we see and we get a better understanding of what biblical peace is by what peace is connected to in Scripture. It's connected to your feet. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Why? Well, let's keep reading a little bit more. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. What is the ministry of reconciliation? Verse 18 says, God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? Peacemaking. What is the word of reconciliation? Because in verse 19, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What is that? The gospel. The ministry of reconciliation is peacemaking. The word of reconciliation is the gospel. The gospel of peace. Over and over and over again. As you read the writings in the New Testament. Put having your uh, feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, How beautiful are the feet of them that carry the gospel of peace. We come to this understanding that the good news message is meant to bring about peace. But what is that peace? Talked about it on Sunday. It's reconciliation between man and God. And it's reconciliation between man and man. People making peace. And people having peace made to God. It's the, the good news message is the message that makes amends. We're lost, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. But the good news message is there's a man named Jesus that made a way for these handwriting of ordinances that are against you to be eradicated by the power of his blood. So that he can reconcile you to him. That sounds like peace to me. So this gospel of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. Why are peacemakers called the children of God? Because reconciliation is peacemaking. And that is what Jesus came to do. So when we make things right between each other, God says, that's my child. They're acting like their father. When we share the gospel of peace with a lost and dying world, God says, 
That's my child because that's what I came to do. So peacemaking isn't like, let us all just stop fighting. Let's, let's have a, a ceasefire. That's not peace. It's let's reconcile this. Let's reconcile this. And it happens between each other, and it happens in each of our lives to God. And that is true peace. When we have been given the ministry and the word of reconciliation, the ministry is go. The word is the good news of Jesus that reconciles man to God. So why, then, is peace connected to our feet? Because if we're going to go, if if someone's going to hear the message, the only message that can reconcile them to God, it's because somebody has to go tell them. And if any of us who may have an issue with each other are going to get it reconciled, it's because somebody has to go and reconcile. So if there's ever going to be that amends or that reconciliation it's because we got up and we took a step so in order for us to be peacemakers in the world we got to go share the gospel so that those people out there can hear the only message that can reconcile them to God and I think I may just have gotten more clarity as to why every time we do a prayer walk, somebody new shows up. That's the power of the feet of the body of Christ. We're out there walking. Lord, connect us to someone hungry. I don't even know. It's overwhelming because every house I pass by, I, yeah, it's just like overwhelming. So, Lord, you see the ones who are searching now. You know where the people are like Cornelius who are praying now. So, Lord, I'm doing what I can right now, and I'm walking this city praying, God, connect us with hungry, hurting people so I can share the message that will reconcile them to you. And God, the head, sees that his feet are willing to go, and his spirit will go at work and do what we can't do on our own. If we will go... He will take care of the rest. And there's that peace, that, that reconciliation that God begins to bring about through that good news. So 2022, let us make up in our mind. I'm going to be a peacemaker at the job, at the store, in my neighborhood, at my school, whatever it may be. My feet are not ordinary feet. They are the feet of of a child of God, and how beautiful are the feet of them that carry the gospel of peace. I'm aligning myself with the head of the body, which is Christ, so that my feet can be ready to receive the orders to go and share this gospel of peace.